It's time for the Cavish Ships podcast, where we try and cut through the fog and the murk and shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavis. And I'm Chris Cervello. Coming up, the Biden administration sent its $773 billion fiscal 2023 Pentagon budget request to Congress on March 28th. And the best thing to say about it is few people are happy with it. We'll peel out some of the details of a Navy budget that seems to have enough to offend everyone. But first, a quick roundup of Naval news around the world. A Navy E-2D Advanced Hawkeye Command and Control aircraft crashed on the evening of March 30th just off Chincoteague Island, Virginia. One crew member was killed in the crash and two others injured. The aircraft was from the Greyhawks of Airborne Command and Control Squadron 120, the Fleet Replacement Squadron for Hawkeyes. The crashed plane was partially submerged in the marsh and will be recovered, the Navy said. The Pentagon announced March 31st that the deployment of the aircraft carrier USS Harry S. Truman has been extended as, quote, a hedge against Russian aggression in Europe, unquote. Truman deployed from Norfolk on December 1st with carrier Air Wing 1. The U.S. has kept Truman in the Mediterranean due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, scrapping plans for the ship to take part in NATO exercises off northern Norway and to operate in the Middle East. Sources told USNI News the ship might be operating in the Mediterranean until August, about the time the next carrier strike group deploys, led by the USS George H.W. Bush. And on March 28th, the Pentagon revealed that six EA-18G Growler electronic aircraft from the Garudas of Electronic Attack Squadron 134, were deploying to Germany to, quote, enhance NATO's collective defense posture and further increase air integration capabilities with our allied and partner nations. The Garudas are an expeditionary electronic warfare squadron that does not normally deploy aboard aircraft carriers. In new ship news, the future USS Jack H. Lucas, DDG-125, the first Flight 3 Arleigh Burke-class destroyer, was christened March 26 in a ceremony at Ingalls Shipbuilding in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Initial builder trials for the destroyer are set to begin towards the end of this year. A commissioning ceremony was held April 2nd for the submarine USS Delaware, SSN-791, in Wilmington, Delaware. The ship was administratively commissioned at sea on April 4th, 2020, the first U.S. submarine to be commissioned while submerged, but the ceremony was put off until now due to the pandemic. And on March 31st, Navy Secretary Del Toro announced that one of the new John Lewis-class fleet oilers would carry the name of the late Supreme Court Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And in old ship news, the World War II-era gearing-class destroyer Orlick DD-886, arrived at her new home of Jacksonville, Florida, after being towed from Port Arthur, Texas. Restored, repaired, repainted, and resplendent, the Orlick will be part of a new waterfront display in the heart of the first city on the St. John's River. And that's a look at just some of this week's naval news. Moving to our discussion topic. On Monday, President Biden unveiled his $5.8 trillion budget request for FY23. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, $773 billion of that budget is slated to go to the Department of Defense. The Department of the Navy's portion of that 773 is $230.8 billion. 
180.5 billion to the Navy and 50.3 billion to the Marine Corps. An increase of 9.1 billion from the FY 2022 enacted budget that included supplementals. According to the Navy, the budget prioritizes Columbia-class construction and balances readiness capability and capacity across the near term and future. It continues investments in more lethal networked capabilities and concepts integrated with the joint force. It funds critical warfighter training and education to grow talent, build resilience, and ensure an environment of accountability. Additionally, the budget covers a once-in-a-century requirement to recapitalize our national ship repair infrastructure as part of our Shipyard Infrastructure Optimization Program, or as the Navy refers to it, SIOP. Terrible acronym. Finally, the budget continues reformative efforts throughout the department, maintaining fiscal accountability and propriety of taxpayer dollars. The Navy lists the following highlights. Um, that it provides for a deployable battle force of 285 ships. Um, that's adding nine ships in FY23. It adds 96 fixed wing rotary and unmanned aircraft, improves readiness funding um, over last year's FY 2022 budget, funds a 4.6% pay increase for both military and civilian personnel. On the low side, as we alluded to at the top, it calls for the decommissioning of two dozen ships, 11 of which are less than a decade old, gives away more than a thousand VLS cells with the uh, called for decom of the cruisers and further slows down the rate and introduction of the mature designed, and that's in quotes, Constellation class frigates. Cavus, what did they get right and what did they get wrong? Well, let's see. What did they get right? Oh, great. We're done. We have plenty <laughs> of time to talk about everything else. I don't know what they got right. This, this whole thing seems like a, uh, an incomplete, to be honest. Um, and I'll, I'll start with the observation that whatever we're going to talk about, about what's in this budget, uh, this is all, this is a ludicrous process. The entire thing is nuts. Right. Number one, Congress can never do their job anymore. They can't pass a budget on time, which means they should have passed a budget before October 1st, the beginning of the fiscal year. You make a budget based on what what did i get last year what do i need this year what did, we, what did we spend last year what do we want to spend this year if you never know what we spent last year you, it's all pure guesswork as to what's going to happen this year you don't know what congress did we don't know you don't know what congress added in the in the uh, appropriations omnibus that they threw threw over the transom here it is just take all of it at the beginning of march that's great that's long past the point where the where this 2023 20, budget submission needed to be finalized. So for whatever Congress wants to say in the upcoming hearings, and however unhappy they are, it'd be awfully nice if those people would start to do their job first and make everybody else's job a whole lot easier. So, so do, that, you, well, do you get the sense that this is a less than optimal budget because the Navy didn't have enough money to spend, or do you get the sense that Navy leaders sort of picked the wrong things to prioritize? I mean, they have plenty of money. They have two, the Navy got $230 billion. So nine, what's 11 more than last year. That's, they, they get a lot of money. They get more money than any other, what, the next four navies, five navies put together. Um, there's no shortage of money. The issue is what do you spend money on? 
and they they their hands are tied in a lot of these things they're under a lot of direction from from cape from the national security council from the Dep deputy secretary of defense from all kinds of things that um, they have to make a lot of people happy and uh, they make decisions that wind up make making a lot of people not very happy because nobody gets everything they want um, so it's it's you know this is but this is part of the process this happens every year there's nothing terribly unique in it so how the how they apportion it though is is, is always the question right now the security environment has changed drastically, as everybody knows, over the past six weeks or so. Um, and the atmosphere in Washington is very much, let's spend more, let's do more. It's like, okay, it's on. The war, the war in Ukraine is on. Uh, the threat is real. Um, there's real stuff out there. And what are the Chinese going to do about all this? They're watching as well as anybody else. So there's a lot of... Uh, this this is a time to to up the def up defense spending in many people's minds, and that, that was not necessarily there two months ago, when this budget was making its final rounds. So a lot has changed, and you sort of feel that number one, the Navy wasn't was not always sure what Congress was going to do in the end. So a lot of this was guesswork. Um, things have changed to what extent and what form. How are we going to spend money? For example, there was a thought that maybe, you know, more money would be coming from the army to the Navy to get ready for, for the, the peer competitor, which is China. And the army is not a major player vis-a-vis -vis China, unlike the Navy and the Air Force. That logic. I'll tell that, the army that, right? <laughs> well, tough. Um, it's an ocean. You don't play in the ocean. You know, just, you know, get used to it. But the, but the war in Europe has now changed that dynamic drastically. There's 100,000 U.S. troops on the ground in Europe now. Um, and that's not going to change. That's just not going to change. So there's a whole new emphasis now on supporting the Army, just like old times. Here we go. Um, back to the past. And, uh, and, and we've got a major land war possible. In, um, in 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 Europe, and that takes away from Navy resources. It does. Any any thought to send more? So you know, it's part of the, it. These, these are enormous pictures. There there are so many moving parts to this. There's so many factors, and it is complex. And I, I mean, I I do feel for people trying to make it all work and fit. And what are we doing this year? And what are we doing next year? And and it's hard to plan because Congress blah blah. So. Uh, and in, in many ways, I look at this as an incomplete, um, an incomplete all around. That uh, these are these are not finalized thoughts. These are not finalized plans yet. Um, we a lot of it is is is, is to be determined. Um, to what extent do we want to change things? So it's. Uh, I, I just think this is even more than usual. This is a real moving target, and I think I, I know they pulled back some of the cuts just in recent weeks. Um, and was all this really well thought out before they finally submitted it? Probably not. And I frankly can't blame them. It's late to begin with. Should it should have really come over in early February as opposed to late March. But um, there's, there's just a whole lot more work to be done everywhere. And I don't think anything in, in this budget is the final work, anything. 
from the decommissionings to program programmatics about, well, we're going to end this program here to a lot of other decisions. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so uh, let, let me try to play glass half full for a minute. Um, I, I did like the, um, the you know, improvements to readiness funds. I mean, ship maintenance, right. 11.3 billion, that's 98% of the requirement. Um, that's not bad. Ship ops, 6.5 billion. Uh, that's 96% of the requirement. Um, and, you know, they added, uh, they, they added flying hours um, to 91% of the requirement. They added um, air depot maintenance. So if I look at this budget and I see the emphasis on the shipyard infrastructure optimization program, and I see the readiness money, I think that, you know, putting my uniform on, that's probably a little snug for me, but if I could get into it, it I would say that um, this would be a budget that prioritized readiness, right? That they knew they had, they couldn't get to where they wanted on the stuff side. So they went after, um, you know, this legacy stuff. They got rid of LCSs, they got rid of cruisers, they got rid of, you know, stuff that they've been wanting to get rid of anyway. Um, but they held the line at readiness and they held the line at uh, short infrastructure. Um, if they can get some plus ups from the Congress, they probably feel pretty good and feel like they live to fight another day. Right. Um, I, you, you know, so, I mean, I guess that's, that's, and that's kind of the story that they told when they, um, you know, when they delivered the budget. I just, I, I feel like though it, it is incongruent to what we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks from the secretary and from the CNO about desires to build, you know, on the low end, a 355 ship Navy on the high end, a 500 manned and unmanned ship Navy. Um, you, you know, so what gives, where is it? And, and so are they going to come out and talk about what they left on the, you know, cutting room floor? Are they going to talk about what they really need? Um, you, you know, and are they going to work closely with Congress in, in the, uh, in the plus up, or are they just going to hide behind the, I support the president's budget line? If that's the case, um, I, I think they're doing themselves and the priorities of the Naval service, uh, a disservice. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's, it's interesting to note that, you know, the, they have dropped the, um, divest to invest moniker, you know, that they were so prominently refeaturing all last year and all the testimony about this is why we're getting rid of the ships. They've stopped saying that mostly because Congress has said, we don't like it. And that's Congress on both houses, both parties stop with the divest to invest. So they've stopped using the term. <laughs> they haven't stopped divesting to invest. Right. Um, and the 24 ships, uh, I know that other ships were on the table and were, were being considered for decommissioning that are not here. So I think in general, it looks like this is better than it would have been. On the other hand, some of these, this is such an inconsistent list and it, it makes you wonder who's thinking what. Uh, you do have these uh, littoral combat ships, nine freedom class. All, all the freedom class littoral combat ships that are in service right now, they want to decommission. Uh, mostly, but they don't want to pay for the, uh, for, for the fix, the... Um, combining gear fix, which by the way, nobody will tell you how much that costs. And it's not that much money, right? but nobody wants to go there because frankly, it's not that much money. They, they don't really have a good argument, but that's, if you tell me the, the dollar figure, but some of these ships, a lot of these ships have never deployed. 
Um, one was one was commissioned in October 2019. Another was commissioned in August 2020. Never deployed. Brand new ships. Uh, two of them that they want to decommission, they just spent a whole lot of money on to to upgrade, to um, have a shipyard uh, availabilities on. If you were going to decommission them, I don't know why you spent all that money. Um, the, the, the cruiser list is really perplexing. Um, of the cruisers they want to get rid of, some of these ships are at the end of their career and, and, and have been expected that they would be de decommissioned. Um, the Vicksburg CG-69 has been out of service for many years, has not deployed, the, the Navy parked it, and they have spent almost $200 million on that cruiser simply since 2019 to refurbish her and put her back together. And it's supposed to be completed this year. You spent $200 million on that ship and now you, now you want to throw it away without giving, getting a single deployment about it. Well, please tell me about responsibility and being, and, and being a good steward of the taxpayer's money when you do that. There's an amphibious ship, the Tortuga, LSD-46, has not deployed for years, but has been parked. They have spent almost $200 million in the past few years to refurbish that ship, put her back in shape, and get her ready to deploy. She's almost finished, and now they want to throw that away. That's $400 million you just pissed into the air on two ships that, oh, never mind, we're done because we want to save money. Seriously? Give me a break. I mean, that's, I'm sorry. So, you know, you, you, you make this argument, but actions speak a lot louder than words. That was an awful lot of money that you just spent to get zip, zilch, not a squat for. Sorry, folks. That's just two ships of, the, of all those things. Some of them, they, some of them, sure, it's time to get rid of them. The two submarines, they've, they have reached their the end of their life. There's two oilers coming out. That's okay. There's two oilers that are going to be new oilers going to be delivered this year. The two um, base ships they don't really use as, as that 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 doesn't that's a concept that didn't work out too well. Okay, I can see that. Um, but you know, unused miles on on a lot of LCS hulls that you can't come up with anything else to do with. You can't adapt your thinking to find anything else to do with those. And uh, these two ships, Vicksburg and Tortuga seriously so uh, that's I, I i can't help but shake my head at that I, I told you during the week very interested in diving into the unfunded list i had heard that it was out there and uh, i saw that sam legrone wrote on it um, but didn't get a chance to really go line by line there so, are no well, ships and they didn't yeah. ask to buy back any ships they asked for six more uh, f-35 charlies the carrier variant of the joint strike fighter right well, they're going to get ships back. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to get probably all the LCS and maybe some of the cruisers back from, from Congress. Uh, I mean, unless they really make a compelling argument for why, um, why it doesn't make sense. Um, and, and it's going to, it's going to put Navy leadership in a very tough position as they have to, on one side of their mouth, argue for why they need 355 ships uh, and then why they're cutting uh, you right. know, 24 of those uh, would be 355. It's darned perplexing. It really is. But um, they are buying more weapons. They need they need more missiles. Then they could use more missiles. Right now, I think, you know, the one of the lessons for any in in, in, in any conflict and, and people who do this stuff for a living know this very well is that you use up ordnance far 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 faster than anybody really plans for it. And you know. Um, 
start to buy buy as many SM6 missiles as you can right now. Buy as many long-range enemy ship missiles as you can. Buy more ordnance now because you will if, if 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 the need comes, you'll use it a whole lot faster. It takes it takes than than you planned. It takes three years to build an SM6 missile. From the time you want to begin to start ordering all the components that are going into it to the point where you assemble it, and then the point where you deliver an all-up round, three years, even at 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 high rate production, that could be compressed to maybe eighteen months. I'm told. So it just it simply takes time, and you can't buy that time when you need it. So weapons are are, are incredibly important. Not doesn't get the headlines that ships and aircraft do. But uh, that's a, that is really key stuff. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's an opportunity this coming week to talk about it, and hopefully they'll answer some questions uh, as we head into sea air space. Uh, and then when they go over to the Hill, um, you know, first uh, volley will be at Secretary Austin and the chairman when they go over next week. Um, right. And then, you know, later uh, in April and May, um, the Navy leaders will go over and face a very angry and confused uh, House and Senate Armed Services Committee. They will be. They they will be angry. All right. I think that's enough budget stuff for now. What do you think? Now hear this. Uh -oh. Now hear this. <laughs> that's right. It's time for Squawk Box, and Mr. Savello has a little bit of thinking on the need for high-level straight talk. In a seven-tweet thread, Congresswoman Elaine Luria blasted the Navy's budget request and its leadership this week, saying the request sucks, that it ignored the advice of Admirals Davidson and Aquilino, was misaligned with its own call for a 500-ship manned and unmanned fleet, and that the Navy has no strategy. It's hard to argue with the gentle lady from Norfolk, herself a retired Naval officer. At a time when strike group deployments are being extended, when entire ship classes are being decommissioned, when shipyards desperately need improved infrastructure and the service readily accepts new ships that are over budget and behind schedule, the Navy needs to use next week's Sea, Air and Space Conference and the upcoming budget hearings to convince members of Congress and the American people that it has a plan. Navy Secretary Del Toro and CNO Admiral Gilday have to do better in linking their decisions to an understandable strategy, defending the basic principles they believe in. Look, I'm not calling for stars on the table or resignations, but they have to make it clear what they need and what their budget lacks. The two have to deliver a clear message to Congress as it deliberates on next year's budget. Without such a message, the Navy risks being the recipient of a Christmas tree-like appropriation littered with ill-fitting ornaments of capability and presumed capacity added by members of Congress trying to fill the perceived void from the CNO and SECNAV. They have to get their story straight. They need to communicate clearly and they must do it quickly. All right, well, and that's just to start with really. Thanks, Chris, appreciate it. Well, folks, that does it for this week. Our show coverage of Sea Air Space is sponsored by Huntington Ingalls Industries. And as always, our thanks go out to Vago Maradian and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support. Be sure to follow us at Cavus Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavus. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hey.